Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome home. Welcome home. Which is our way of saying, welcome to church. My church is a group of people who are like family, helping others move from cycles of despair to cycles of hope, life, and fulfillment in God. My church is a place that inspires dreams and encourages the next generation. Church is my happy place. Church is the place where I can grow in my relationship with God. If you need love, welcome home. If you need hope, welcome home. If you need a place to belong, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome Welcome home. home. No matter who you are or where you find yourself, we pray this service encourages you right where you're at. Welcome home. Drink of the water, come 
afflictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross jesus is waiting god so loved the world hey everyone pa here pastor adam bird and thank you so much for tuning in to our every nation new jersey channel and i got news for you man god has got a word for you today God's got a word for you. And so if you've been tracking with us, you know we're uh, in a series we've just called the ABCs of Faith. And it's a 26 week long series where we're just kind of saying, well man, uh, what are the ABCs of the Christian faith? And you know, week one we did A was for atonement, and then B was for Bible, C was for church. Last week D was for disciple. And this week we're on the letter E. And E stands for Elmo. <laughs> so if you've been uh, if you've been tracking uh, um, you know on on Twitter recently, you'll know that that Elmo blew up the Twitterverse, and he did it by just asking a, a very very simple question: Hey everybody, how is everyone doing? Right? And with that simple question, man, man, Twitter blew up with thousands of responses. And, and if you're, if I was honest with you, man, so many of them were so devastating and heartbreaking. It was like this, this outpouring, man, that's just like someone broke a dam and just people's hearts were being poured out. It's like, hey, I'm not doing well. My marriage is failing. Hey, my kids aren't doing well. I feel just stress and anxiety. And, and oh yeah, there's a war in Ukraine and in Israel. And it, it just seemed like doom and gloom everywhere, every response that you read. And, and really what that lets us know is this. Man, we all know deep in our heart, things are not the way they should be. And you know, we get moments in our life when things are, are great and amazing, and it kind of, kind of numbs us to ultimate reality. But those times in life when life presses us and squeezes us, man, I think it's in those moments we see best. We see most clear, man, that the world is broken and that we're, we're not uh, where we should be yet. All right. And so uh, f uh, the, the Apostle Paul, he's actually going to say it a little bit different uh, than the prophet Elmo. Um, in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 24, he speaks to the, to the groaning and the pressing of the world. He says this in verse 22. He says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. He says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption uh, as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this uh, hope we are saved. And so... Um, like, like, listen, uh, so Paul equates uh, this idea of childbirth and the pain of childbirth. And I don't know how Paul did it because he's a dude, but I was in the room with my wife when, when, when we were giving birth. And man, when those contractions hit, it would be like, oh, there'd be the scream of this pain. In fact, there were moments my wife, I think she manifested like a demon or something. She was like, get me the epidural. And then I'd be like, baby, the doctors aren't here. No. <laughs> right. And, and so it was that, that pain hit. And, and then, um. And so isn't life that way where we have these moments where we're just life contracts and Paul even says, man, that even the very creation that nature itself groans waiting for God to fix this, God fix it. 
because creation knows, man, the world is not as it should be. Um, and, and, and Paul says that our hope is that, that Jesus is going to return again and fix it. And, and so there's almost this, this moment where, man, when, when the difficulty uh, and the sorrows of life hit us, man, there's a cry in our spirit, a groan, if you will. Man, we cry out the words, Hosanna. Hosanna, it means come, Lord, and save. And so if you're just in investing everything you have into this broken world, man, you're doing it wrong. See, um, uh, I've heard it said this way, that, that the worst type of failure is succeeding at the wrong thing. The worst type of failure is succeeding at the wrong thing. And, and listen, to put all your hope uh, into uh, this life at the expense of the next life, it's just a horrible trade. Man, you're succeeding at the wrong thing. Congratulations, you're the captain of the Titanic, and the ship is going down. And so I share this verse uh, at funerals. If you're familiar with the uh, sitcom Everyone Loves Raymond, and it's interesting when when uh, uh, Raymond, like uh, he was a New Yorker, when he moved out to L.A. to hit it big, before he left, his brother, he, he gave him a, a simple note. He folded it up and put it uh, in Raymond's jacket. And get this, after seasons of success, the last showing uh, viewing of Everyone Loves Radio, Raymond, there was this studio audience, and, and, and Raymond, he actually stood up and he shared with the, with the crowd what his brother had written to him. And he opened up his paper and he read Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What good does it if a man gain the whole world, but he loses his one and only soul, right? It, it, it's succeeding at the wrong thing. C.S. Lewis is going to say it this way. He says, uh, Christianity asserts that every individual human being is going to live forever. And this must be either true or false. Now, there are a good many things which would not be worth bothering about if I were going to live only 70 years, but which I had better bother about very seriously if I'm going to live forever. And I got news for you. You are going to live forever. And that's going to lead us to our actual E uh, for today's message. E stands for eternity. Eternity. And so this was an incredibly difficult sermon to prepare because, man, we're trying to get our mind uh, around eternity. Like, Like our minds are finite, man, and eternity is infinite, right? And so to try and explain this can be such a struggle and a difficulty. But, you know, occasionally there's these moments when certain things at light in our life, it, it resonates deep in our soul or in our spirit. It lets us know, man, it, it sparks uh, eternity in our heart. And Solomon, he noticed this. He says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says, um, he, he being God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. And occasionally, I don't know if, I mean, if you pay attention to your soul, to your spirit, that there are the, these moments in life that, that transcend the physical. They're, they're transcendent and they touch deep down into the soul and into the spirit. Like we can feel eternity in our heart. And so let me give you a couple of examples of this. So beauty, man, when you, if there's something spiritual, something transcendent about beauty, 
it, it captivates and touches us deep uh, in our spirit. Um, so like if you've ever been to the Caribbean and I mean the, the Caribbean ocean, man, as you look out and you, you can see the, the changing colors from the, the, the clear blue to the turquoise to the deep, deep uh, green. And, and so there's something like we'll drop like thousands of dollars to go fly there just to steer, stare at this beauty. Why? Because there's something captivating uh, about it. It stirs us. It touches eternity in our heart. Or maybe you're not the, the southern guy. Maybe you're like up about the north and here we are up in the north we, uh, east up in like like uh, New York, New Jersey. And man, if there's a more beautiful place than, than uh, man, the fall in the northeast, northeast, I've yet to find it. Like the array of colors of, of brown and orange and red. And it's just breathtaking. You're like, man, God thought of that. Like that was God's idea. And again, we'll go and we'll drive hundreds of miles. What? Just to be captivated and to stare at beauty. Why? Because it touches eternity in our heart. Uh, in fact, uh, man, this past season, uh, I had the privilege to, to travel with the New York Jets. And we were flying to Las Vegas to play against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And, and it was funny. I wasn't even paying. I was just reading. And then for whatever reason, I happened to look out the window. And the moment I did, I saw the Grand Canyon. And when I saw this, it was like everything stopped. I put my book down. I pivoted over. And I just stared out the window. It, it was breathtaking and captivating. It was, it was so wonderful. I had to tap the guy sitting next to me. I'm like, bro, you got to see this. Next thing I know, his jaw drops. And he's just, we're staring and captivated. Why? It, it it's touches something deep in our heart. It touches eternity uh, in our heart. And so uh, um, uh, let me share how, like, how powerful this can be. So um, there's a, a young lady in our church. Uh, her name is Jenny. And, and Jenny, she, she, like, she always was this, this creative person who just got She loves to make beautiful things and things that aren't attractive. She makes them beautiful uh, and attractive. And she's always been wired this way. But as a young woman, uh, she was actually an atheist, not just an atheist, but a mocker. Like she would go to Christian events and make fun of Christians in this ridiculous Bible and this idea that somewhere out there, there's a God. But then there was this moment in God's graciousness that, that Jenny was outside and she saw this, this spectacular view uh, in the sky. Like, like the blues and the whites of the clouds. And then as the sun begins to set, this hue of orange. And, and with that, man, she heard like, like the voice of God in her spirit. And it was this who can make something as beautiful as this? Only God can do it. And, and it, it touched eternity in her heart. And that moment, man, she gave her life to God. And she's never been the same uh, since then. And so, um, man, beauty, it, there's something that touches eternity in her heart. Here's another one. Uh, if you pay attention, if you ever notice, man, there's something transcendent about music and song. Like it touches deep uh, in our heart and in our spirit. Uh, since this is, uh, when I'm uh, shooting this, it's actually Super Bowl Sunday. And because it's Super Bowl Sunday, I get some football uh, stories. And so if you'll remember Super Bowl 41 in Miami, Florida, it, it was uh, Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts versus Rex Grossman. And if you're saying, who's that exactly against the Chicago Bears? And, um, and, and if you remember, it was the greatest halftime show of all time, bar none. And it was done by none other than Prince. Right. And so if you recall, um, man, that that Super Bowl, it was just a torrential downpour. In fact, they were going to cancel the halftime show. And uh, when they asked Prince, do you want to cancel? He's like, no way, man, we're going for this. And so get this like he steps out onto the stage 
into the pouring rain, man, and he just, he starts to sing and sing. And, and you know what happens? Man, he grabs a hold of something deep in the hearts of 100,000 people. And they began to sing and, and cheer along. They were transported. They no longer uh, realized. They, they forgot they were in the rain. And they even forgot about the game for a moment. And then it came to, to the last song, the crescendo. And then the pouring rain, what did he finish with? Purple rain. And, and everybody was bought in, right? And, and as he's singing Purple Rain, he invited the entire 100,000 100, people. Hey, y'all want to sing with me tonight? And they all joined in Purple Rain, right? And, and so it was this powerful thing. See, there's something about song, man, that touches uh, deep into our heart. Have you ever th- like figured out, like, like, it's a really bizarre phenomenon that, that you and I were compelled to sing, like, I know there's some people, man, they refuse to sing in church and do this. But, man, bro, you get in your car or you get your earbuds on, man, suddenly you're Mariah Carey or Sir Elton John, and you're just having at it singing, right? There's something, but man, music and song, it compels us to join in uh, and sing along. And, and, and song, what, doesn't it have a power uh, to move you, to soothe you, right? There's something spiritual about song. And you know what? Song is spiritual, um, because God is spiritual. And you know what? God is a God who sings. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. See, God, see, there's something spiritual about song because God is the spirit and our God is a singing God. It says this uh, as well. Do you know that the angels sing? That in Job 38, 7, that at, at creation, it says this, that the angels of God, they sang and shouted for joy. Job 38, 7, uh, it says this, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. See, the angels sing. And you know, there's something, man, uh, have you ever had this happen to you? That, that despite the fact that the music has stopped, that physically you've stopped singing but there's something deep in your soul that your soul and your spirit, they continue to sing. I don't know if you've ever, uh, like, uh, see, our, our world will point to this phenomenon. Do you know, it's called an earworm, like that you get a song and it gets stuck in your heart and, and you sing it over and over and over again, right? That is the power of song. It touches eternity uh, in our heart. And get this, at, at the end of all time, do you know there's going to be singing in eternity, like, um, like our groaning is going to be changed to singing. And, and this song, I don't know if you've ever had this, like, like sometimes, man, the moment you hear a song, you like it. Sometimes song, it takes a while to grow on us, but there's some that connect immediately and they become our favorite song. And I got news for you. In glory, man, immediately you're going to connect with the songs of the angels in our praise and worship of Almighty God. For somehow, just intuitively, your spirit is going to know the lyrics to sing. They'll never get stale and never get old. Man, and I don't know if you've ever... As well, like like I can associate songs with my childhood or with my home. Like uh, like my dad would always listen to Boz Skaggs, and I know many of you have never even heard of who the heck is Boz Skaggs, and that's my point, right? My mom, God help her, mom, if you're watching this, you know this is true. Man, she made me listen to Crystal Gale. Don't it make my brown eyes blue? And I was asking Jesus to kill me, right? But but it's in those moments, man, that that there's something nostalgic, and it reminds me of home. 
And you know the moment that you uh, hit eternity and you join in with the saints uh, and the elders, man, this song of worship to God, it's going to remind us we're home. We're finally home. And so uh, I, I want to share this illustration. illustration. I, I think it's helpful. I'm totally ripping it off from uh, Francis Chan, all right? And so, uh, but uh, I've used this before, but I think you'll find it helpful. Uh, and that's this. Let me grab this uh, little stick here. And uh, if, you, if you humor me, this stick uh, is eternity. And over here we have eternity past. It, it's, it has no beginning. And in eternity past, man, God was always here. Father, Son, and Spirit. See, God is eternal. He has no beginning and no ending, and that means He's never changing, which is which is mind-blowing to us, but as well, it should be such a comfort to know that, man, our, our, our God is inexhaustible. He never changes. Man, uh, He never changes His mind. He never changes His mood, but He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That should be a comfort to us. And this little black section of tape right here, if you can see this, this uh, is time and creation. This little sliver is time and creation. And in this moment, well, we get that we get the Genesis one. It says, "Let there be light, man." And God creates everything there is. And as He creates uh, during creation, when He creates, He says, "It's good. It's good. It's good." And then on day six, He creates mankind, humanity, and He says, "This is very good." And He breathes into humanity the breath of life. And in that moment, man, there's something of the eternality of God was on the inside of us that you and I were created uh, to live forever somewhere, all right? And then what happens in this little sliver here is that Adam and Eve, they're placed in a garden called Eden. Do you know that Eden, it means delight. It's also been called paradise. And in this paradise, we see there's a convergence between heaven and earth. They're literally knit together as one in paradise. And we see that, that God walked with his, his uh, creator, almighty, uh, uh, excuse me, that, that man walked with his creator. They walked together in the cool of the garden. But then comes Genesis 3, and there's sin. Man, the sin of man and the fall. And what happens? Man, Eden, man, the fabric of Eden is, is ripped apart because of sin. And that now Adam and Eve are thrust out of Eden. Man, there's been a, a tear between the convergence of heaven and earth. And, and with that, man, humanity, we feel the, the whole, this chasm of eternity. Because why? We were created for Eden. But then what happens? That God in his mercy, he allows that if we'll have a sacrifice, that, that if you can make a sacrifice, you can make these clean spaces where God once again will meet with man. There'll be convergent spaces. And so he has Moses build the tabernacle. He has Solomon build the temple. And in the tabernacle, in the temple, there's these three compartments. There's the, the outer court, the inner court. But in the center was the most holy place, the holy of holies. And that was where the tangible presence of God dwelt and man could meet with God in that space. Only one man, one time a year. Until um, thousands of years later on this, a man would appear, the God-man named Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. 
And within the God-man, that convergent space met. Heaven and earth were connected through the man, Christ Jesus. And, and get this, Jesus lived the perfect life we couldn't live. And then he died uh, on a cross for our sin and our trespasses. And do you remember when he, when he was hung on a cross, he was hung between two thieves. But he told one of the thieves, today you will be with me. Where? In paradise. See, he's bringing us back to Eden. It's Eden language, right? And so, so Jesus dies, and it says when he breathes his last, it is finished. It was there at that moment, what it says that the temple, that the veil in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. It's signifying that the presence of God uh, was set free to dwell uh, among men. And so Jesus is raised from the dead on the third day. And on the third day, he goes and he meets with his disciples. And it says something odd in John 20. It says that he breathed upon them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And it was in that moment, man, that, that you and I had the ability to be convergent space. That Paul would say that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that now God dwells within mankind, that you and I are convergent space. And in that moment, the moment you receive Christ and are uh, sealed by the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, it says this in John 17, that eternal life began for you and for me. John 17 and verse 3, it says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so um, uh, we, we see this now, now, now uh, here we have the end of time right here at the end of our little stick here. This is eternity past. This is eternity future. And this is the end of all time. And, and it says this, man, that, that even Satan knows that this time is short because his, his time ends um, when, when time itself ends. And it says this, that when at this moment, that God is going to make everything new again. That sin, Satan, and death are going to be done away with uh, in the lake of fire. And there's going to be a new heaven uh, and a new earth. And God is going to finish what he started way back here in Eden. And he's going to create a new heaven, a new earth. Now earth is going to become the holy of holies. And, um, and so now here's what you need to see. And this is where uh, I'm just going to get into your business a little bit. You see how small this space is relative to, to eternity, right? Why is it we spend so much time stress, stressing over this one little sliver and we spend no time thinking about all eternity, the eons and eons of time? See, too many people are living for this when they should be living for this, right? And so... Um, Here's a, uh, there's, there's a, um, you know, there's, there's three people uh, every second that cross over from death into uh, the next life. Three people every second. Three. What, what is that? What is that? Six, nine, 12, 15, right? Don't make me go any further. I don't think I could do the math, but that, you know, that equates to this. Uh, 11,000 people die per hour, that 250,000 people die per day. And in that moment, man, boom, everything ends and they cross over from this life to the next life. 
I, I was, uh, man, messing around on the internet. You know, they have this thing called the death clock. And if you punch in your, your date of birth, your height and weight, it'll spit out for you uh, when you're going to die, right? And so I couldn't resist. I know it's morbid. You know, I plug it in and it said this, um, I'm going to die October 27th, 2042. And so I wrote that down. I was going to use it for a sermon illustration, but I wrote it down. Uh, I, I actually reversed the four and the two. So it was October 27th, 2024. I was like, Wait a minute, that's coming up in a few months, man, <laughs> right? And, and listen, the reality is none of us know. That, that very well could be true. And so we are all going to die and spend eternity somewhere. And those two options are this, in the new heaven and the new earth or in hell or otherwise known as the lake of fire. And so let's, let's talk briefly about hell. Do you know, the, the Bible mentions the word hell 54 times, but you know what? No one talks about hell more than Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Like Jesus talks about hell more than anybody. And the reason why he does, he desperately doesn't want you to go there. And so um, Matthew 10, verse 28, Jesus says this, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so um, uh, here's what we see is that that hell, that word hell in the verse we just read, it, it's a unique word. It's the word Gehenna. Gehenna. And Ge Gehenna, it's a literal place. It's a place uh, on the, the west side of Jerusalem, a valley. Um, and, and in this valley, uh, back in, the, in, in uh, um, the early days of Israel, the backslidden people of Israel and the wicked kings, uh, they would uh, practice idolatry, witchcraft, witchcraft. They would sacrifice to, to the, the pagan gods of Baal and Ashura uh, in, uh, at, at Gehenna. And, and in fact, some would even uh, make an offering to Molech. And, and Molech's sacrifice, we were to sacrifice your kids through fire. They would literally burn their children alive. Uh, an area uh, in Gehenna they would call Tophet. And, and Tophet, uh, some rabbis believe that, that the word means the fireplace, right? Where they would, they would, they would stick their infant children in as an offering uh, to Molech. That, that others say that Tophet, it really means the place of the drums because when they would sacrifice their children they would beat the drums to drown out the screams of the children so you can imagine man this place uh, was uh, was an abomination and so it was an unholy place and so later on israel used it as a literal dump they would jump their their trash their dung man dead bodies would be there and there'd be a slow burn a non-stop fire going on and there's the stench of death and decay non-stop always and forever and that's the picture that Jesus paints he says he, he wanted people to have a visceral response to I don't want to go there and so that uh, is hell and so um, do you know that hell wasn't even made for you uh, it was made for the devil uh, and his angels Matthew 25 verse 41 it says uh, then he will say to those on his left this is at the end of time depart from me you cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels and so Jesus doesn't want anybody to go to hell so much so that Jesus actually says man you're gonna go to hell over my dead body and you literally have to walk over the dead body, the sacrifice of God's one and only son uh, in order to get to hell. And so now I want to talk to you about, about heaven, 
right? Heaven, one of two places. You're going to live forever somewhere. And, and this was the place prepared for you and prepared for me. The new heaven uh, and the new earth. It's, it's Eden uh, completed and fulfilled. And so heaven is a place, man, where we're now fully and forever. You and I get to be united back with our creator, almighty God, man, in his presence is fullness of joy. And in that moment in heaven, now we're finally home. And so there's a, a, an early church uh, father, St. Irenaeus, and he had this, uh, this saying, he said this, that the, the glory of God is man fully alive. In other words, that man in his fullness, it, it reflects uh, the glory of God uh, in the earth. And here's what's so fascinating, that, that do you know in the new heaven, in the new earth, there'll be no more sin, no more sickness, no more disease, no more COVID, no more death. And so the body, our body now in this broken world, we're constantly having to use all this energy, life, and vitality, what? To ward off sickness, disease, death, and decay. And there's this constant fight. And now all that energy is going to be brought together in our resurrected body. And it's going to be this enormous glory to God Almighty, right? Uh, it'll be transformative. And then um, in Revelation 21, uh, verse 4, it won't be on the screen, but, but, but it's going to say this at the end of time, that Jesus, he's going to wipe every tear away from our eyes. I mean, that's the way of saying that, man, that, that, that the, all the pain and the suffering, God somehow, some way, in his power and sovereignty, uh, man, it's going to make it all right again. And so um, here's what I definitely know, man, the, the pain, the sorrow, and the suffering that you've endured in this life is somehow going to lead to greater joy in the next life. I love uh, Pastor Tim Keller. He, he explains it this way, that he, he had this horrible nightmare that his entire family was slaughtered by someone uh, in the night. And he woke up to see the death of his children and his wife. And, and it was so uh, alarming to him that he woke up in this deep sweat and he realized it was a dream. And he ran to the bedrooms of his kids and to see his kids and he just embraced them. And there was all this joy that skyrocketed because something horrible he thought had happened was really not true. If you've seen the, the movie, uh, The Lord of the Rings, man, it's just this ongoing saga where it just looks like, man, victory is impossible and there's all this death and suffering. But in the end, what? Man, our hero is victorious. Man, man, that, that, uh, that evil is done away with. And remember the, the little hobbits, what they said at the end? They said, babe, they said, oh my gosh, has, has everything suddenly, uh, everything sad become untrue? And that's our story. God will, uh, Solomon will say it a little different. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God, he makes everything beautiful in his time. And so um, I'll end with this. And so, uh, you know, in, in, in my NHL hockey career, I didn't, get a, didn't win a Stanley Cup or do anything, but I did play in the longest hockey game ever. It was in the year 2000, and it was, I was with the Philadelphia Flyers against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, uh, man, the, uh, the game started at 7 o'clock at night. It didn't end till 3.30 in the morning. It was actually, uh, we played almost three complete hockey games. It, it was exhausting, and if I could be honest with you, it was really terrifying, because it, at any moment, it looked like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose. We, we could lose this. We could lose this. It was sudden death over time. But then at 3.30 in the morning, uh, Keith Primo went streaking down the ice. He let a shot go. It hit, it hit uh, the opposing team's uh, crossbar, and it made this deafening ping, and the puck dropped over, and we won, and we just lost our minds. And here's what's amazing. You know, 
I, I won a lot of games uh, in the NHL, but none uh, greater than that game. See, the greater the struggle, the greater the glory. And I believe that's going to be our story in heaven. Man, the greater the struggle down here on earth, man, the greater the glory is going to be in eternal life. And so I promise you, at the end of time, there's going to be this deafening ping. The trumpet's going to sound. And Jesus is going to rip the sky open. And he's going to, he's going to handle uh, sin, death, and hell once and for all in the lake of fire. And the promise is he's going to make everything new again. And listen, Jesus wants you to be in e eternity with him. Let's pray. And so, um, do you know, I, I, I want to pray uh, here today, but like uh, some of you, man, we just don't know when that death clock is going to kick, kick in. And I'm not trying to scare anybody or do anything, but I, I do want you to be with Jesus in glory. And do you know what? You can receive Jesus today. It's as simple as ABC. Uh, a, it simply means you need to admit that you're a sinner. Uh, B, you just need to believe that Christ died for your sins and rose again on the third day. And C, to confess him as Lord. And so if you want to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. If you'd like to join in, dear Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you suffered, died on the cross, and rose again on the third day. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you, every nation. Man, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing, too. The, uh, the sermon's over with, but we're, we're not quite finished. Can I just remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving? Uh, there's three ways uh, that you can give. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. If you just text the letters ENCNJ to the numbers 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. It's the way my family and I choose to give. Um, or you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you as you're faithful and you're tithing and you're giving. Hey, every nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty great. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.